Hello listener, it's Gould here. Just before we crack on with this bonus episode of The Unbreakable Movie Chain, this is a reminder to check the show notes for this week's spoiler and content warnings. Enjoy the episode! Christmas and welcome to the Unbreakable Movie Chain. It's Boxing Day. Ed, how are you? Merry Christmas. Ah, Merry Christmas to you too. I'm, I'm very, very well. How are you? I'm well, thank you. Gosh, I'm full from all the food I ate yesterday <laughs> at Christmas. I am also very full of turkey. I'm drinking a lovely festive beverage. What is it? Well, I would say it's Bailey's, but actually it's Amarula masquerading as Bailey's. Um, uh. <laughs> because, I, yeah, uh, we're, we're not actually recording this on uh, Boxing Day, obviously. <laughs> yeah, we're actually recording this on the 19th of December. So with, with the power of my imagination, pretending that this glass of Amarula is some delicious festive Bailey's. Delicious. I mean, mm. we went to drama school for two years for this kind of thing. Exactly. Well, all I have to say to you it is don't confront the lie. <laughs> <laughs> it's already confronted, mate. <laughs> <laughs> I've broken the fourth wall and uh, yeah. Um, so what are we talking about today? Well, we're going to have a little look ahead at what we've got to look forward to in 2024. We're going to talk about them in release date order just so that it's nice and equal. It's an equal playing field because I don't think it would be fair to try and rate these movies at this stage. Oh no. We're also going to have a little look at some honourable mentions like some of the stuff that hasn't made it onto our like extremely excited list. Um, and we're also going to have a little um, gallop through what I have titled The Franchise Nightmare. Um, <laughs> I've, I've seen your list. You've got a couple on your list that are from The Franchise Nightmare. I know, exactly. This is, but this is why I'm calling hmm. it a nightmare because there's stuff in there that I'm like, yeah, no, I'm, I'm keen on this. But then there's yeah, also stuff that just makes me want to turn inside out it's like oh guys so to speak was that a bit of a weird thing to say well no just because that is one of the offerings from the franchise nightmare this year ah well indeed yeah exactly (laughs) a lot of the stuff that i've put onto my list of the the franchise nightmare is stuff that to me feels hollow in a kind of nondescript way and then there's stuff that's gone onto my list that are part of a franchise um and it's entirely to do with the films that have come before it and why I think they're excellent examples mm. of kind of standouts from from a franchise. I set myself some franchise nightmare-based rules. Are they going to be as nonsensical as my mon- movie monster rules? <laughs> no, no, not at all. Um, no. <laughs> no, my... My rule is very simple. My rule for compiling the list of films that I'm excited about, no franchise fare. So no sequels, no prequels, no reboots, nothing with a sort of uh, already inbuilt audience Mm -hmm. is appearing on my list. Um, If it has an inbuilt audience, then it is entirely off the back of the people involved. So the director, for example, or possibly even the writer. I love that. I also haven't included anything on my list that there isn't a trailer for, that I couldn't see a trailer for. I've broken slightly for one of my for one of my entries, sure. but only slightly, because uh, there's a right. teaser trailer, but not a full trailer. 
Sure. Okay. But I'm excited enough about it for other reasons. I'm in, I'm going to be interested because there are a couple. There are a, a few uh, franchise offerings that I am keen for. Um, neither of them, interestingly enough, would be the ones that are on your list. Oh, interesting. What's turned up on your franchise nightmare list? Well, shall we crack on? We're going to discuss the trilogy first of all of untitled installments. So basically, <laughs> we know they're coming in 2024. We just mm-hmm. don't know what they're going to be called. Right. Um, so we've got three. We've got number one. The untitled Venom Let There Be Carnage sequel. The untitled fourth Bad Boys film. And the untitled Dirty Dancing prequel. Sure. I am going to go out on a limb now and say uh, that that untitled fourth Bad Boys film is going to be called Bad Boys For Real. (laughs) Okay, Listeners, we've got a timestamp. It's 11.29 on the 19th of December, 2023. You've heard it here first. Ed says. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, to be fair, I haven't seen any of the Venom films because I lost energy to cope with any of that shit. Venom, I found deeply tedious. Consequently, I didn't see Venom Let There Be Carnage, which I've heard is a lot more fun. But oh, okay. I've not seen it because I don't care. I've only ever seen Bad Boys. Have I seen Bad Boys too? I think I might only have seen Bad Boys. You uh, haven't seen Bad Boys too. Have you ever held your gun up in the air? Gone <laughs> 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 ah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no. Do you know? Um, I'm sure it's great, but it's just not. I mean, I'm, I'm not sure it's great. <laughs> Is it not? I don't know. I don't. I don't, I don't... Know. It's Michael Bay, isn't it? It's. I just couldn't, couldn't give a shit. Dirty Dancing prequel that it just couldn't scream shameless cash in. Mm. more i've never seen dirty dancing i watched it a lot as a young child and it is not appropriate <laughs> it would be a great one to cover on the main podcast actually because it's um like a cult classic yes. but i think with it with enough distance from it now it's it would be good to try and look at why that is and um, mm. also the story of production and the story of getting it made is fascinating so moving on to uh, kind of superhero movies we've got madam web which i'm sure quite a lot of people will have seen a lot of the trailers and the kind of um publicity stills from by this point because they've just they've just had a bit of a push on that i don't know that much about madam web but it's a marvel character yeah. being played that'll, by dakota johnson that'd be really boring it'll be a lot of multiverse stuff madam web it'll be very very dull yeah. oh god Right. We've got Joker Folliedo. I didn't see Joker. I'm not surprised that there's a sequel coming out. I've put it into the franchise nightmare, but I kind of set it aside slightly in my head tonally in the same way that I would do um, Christopher Nolan's Batman films. Sure. What I would say is I, I am keen for it because the first one wasn't really, it wasn't really a comic book movie. Right. It's a story about a man having a breakdown and yeah it's it's really interesting i didn't love it as much as some people loved it yeah but i'm keen to see where they take the character from there it seems to mostly be or what they're definitely pushing Mm -hmm. um is the fact that it's introducing lady gaga playing harley quinn it feels like a proper movie yes yeah rather than something churned out which is why i think you have even without seeing it put it sort of separately from everything else tonally yeah a movie without lens flare um (laughs) is it possible nowadays to make a popular film and for it to be the only film i wonder 
wonder what the cutoff point is in terms of kind of box office profit before they're like, oh great, okay, so we'll do another one. You know, it just, it feels like a fucking back, well, I don't know, it gets bums on seats. Rah, 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 Ed. I'm already rah, 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 ing (laughs) Merry fucking Christmas. Um, uh, The other one uh, is Deadpool 3 that we're getting next year. Um, can't be asked. If, if if that film is for me, I didn't like the sort of person I was. <laughs> Fair enough. I I sort of enjoyed the first Deadpool. Uh, yeah, sort of in spite of myself. Yeah, yeah. Because I'm uh, I'm not a Ryan Reynolds fan. No, I I don't think there is a more kind of try hard actor in Hollywood than Ryan Reynolds. I'm sure he's a lovely man, and he's certainly got a very dedicated fan base that I don't want to risk provoking the ire of. But <laughs> I, I'm, I'm not I'm not much of a Ryan Reynolds fan. I first saw him in Blade Trinity, and it was like every line he delivered, you could hear a after uh so what else have we got in the bringing us on to um the idea of people getting excited because they already know what it is we're getting twisters oh for fuck's sake (laughs) (laughs) that's a sequel to twister twister one of my absolute favorite disaster movies Mm. i absolutely love twister i've already banged on about how amazing it is that the bad guys are funded scientists i don't see any reason i mean there is that alongside this kind of franchise nightmare is this sort of cash in on 80 it, well it was 80s nostalgia we're slightly moving past that now into 90s nostalgia yep. you just we're, I, we're gonna get remakes of dante's peak fucking i'd say uh, i'd say we did remakes impact. of independence day but there was already a sequel to that wasn't there yeah i know yeah. yeah yeah i don't see how you can even have a sequel to twister without bill paxton well yeah actually right. really good point How'd you do that? Oh, yeah. also, we, we've we not got um, Philip Seymour Hoffman, who was in the first one. Of course. I mean, what's it going to be? Is it going to be his city slicker wife? It's it's it's, it's going to be his daughter. Oh, so, yeah. yeah. He's, like my he's, da- he's yeah. probably been carried off in a twister. Yeah. It's yeah. going to be his daughter taking revenge on the twisters. And um, Helen Hunt will be an un credited cameo it'll be yeah. like when Laura Dern's on the phone to Sam Neill in Jurassic Park yeah. 3 um, so we've also yeah. got we're getting a new Karate Kid film there has already been yeah, a Karate already been Kid a reboot, reboot. Yeah. with um, Jaden Smith Jaden Smith and who played the Mr who the played Mr. the Miyagi ca- role it was Jackie Chan oh well, there you go great um, so we're getting some more of that oh we're getting some prequels so oh yeah this is the year of prequels isn't it uh, well yeah so <laughs> exhausted sequel opportunities and now they're going oh well how do we show the origin of this? The big one that I've got on here is um, A Quiet Place Day One. I- I've actually forgotten where we're at with A Quiet Place Part 3 or if this is A Quiet Place Part 3. I mean, uh, it's all right, but it's just, it kind of, it's the, it was an example of the kind of horror franchise nightmare that we're all so stuck in. Oh, well, I mean, the uh, hor- horror cinema has been sort of, it's sort of ground zero for franchise nightmare. <laughs> It's like, true, honestly, actually, yeah. How, how many Friday the 13ths have there been? How many Nightmare on Elm Streets have there been? Have there been? And reboots. There's, and There's re- yet another Saw film coming out this year. Oh, fuck. <laughs> I didn't know that. Amazing. I did, that. I did see that on a list somewhere. Saw 11. Doing my research That's this amazing. year. Sure. It'll be, but the thing about um, the Saw franchise is they just kind of... They keep finding little pockets of time where it's like, oh, mm. there's a little six-month 
period of time that isn't accounted for. So we'll yeah. we'll send him off to do some torture somewhere. Yeah. It's just so funny. I fucking love the Saw franchise, Ed. So maybe one day we'll have to just do a bumper a bumper Saw episode. I'm not watching them all twice. <laughs> you could just watch them all once. It's so great. Right. The, be- this, the best so this, way to watch Saw is this, to watch it when you're mm. a bit fevery. You can like drift in and out. They all yeah. blend into one. There are two actors in, I think, across two or three films who mm. look exactly the same as each other mm. so, and who are playing a goodie and a baddie. And mm. it's like, who the fuck am I looking at now? Um, I don't even know. It's just, mm. it's great. So what you're saying is essentially, so there's 10 Saw films. If I watched them all back to back, that would take probably 20 hours, let's face it. Yeah. By the end of that 20 hours, I would certainly be in the exact right frame of mind for those later installments. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Oh God, why, how, why can I describe why I love Saw so much? I think it's because it is such an invitation, a, a, a little bit like we were talking about with like Barton Fink and Mulholland Drive, mm-hmm. except not anywhere on the same level. But like, it's an invitation to solve the most ludicrous puzzle. Mm. It's like, it is, it's like an escape room. And actually Saw, talking about cultural impact, there was a massive boom in things like escape rooms after Saw like yep. that saw the rise of the escape room and things like that that kind of you know and that whole thing of like oh my god would you would you would you be able to hack your own arm off or whatever it is that these people need to do i'm delighted to hear that we're getting a new saw film ed i will be going to see that in the cinema um we're also getting a new alien film yeah alien romulus now i've written in brackets next to this even though it's fede alvarez so fede alvarez directed the evil dead remake i can't remember when it was about 2014 maybe yeah okay uh and he did a really good job however alien just needs to fuck off (laughs) like stop doing it i mean there are there are two good alien movies (laughs) yeah you know there's alien there's aliens don't need anything else this will break your heart Ed, we're getting Mufasa, The Lion King. Yeah, I saw Which that. is a, a prequel to the uh, sort of photorealistic remake of The Lion King with some celebrity voices, Beyonce and everything in it. I didn't see that because I haven't seen... Any, have I seen any of the Disney uh, quote-unquote live-action remakes that they've done? None of them have looked good, so... Who's voicing Mufasa for that, if it's a prequel? Aaron Pierre. Because obviously, um, James Earl Jones in that role is absolutely iconic so i imagine this is uh their way of uh yeah sort of rebooting the character almost sure i, I won't be seeing that will you I, I, best of luck to it all but no, don't care yeah yeah i'm not interested <laughs> some others that i just don't give a fuck about ghostbusters mm-hmm. frozen empire have i ever spoken to you about uh, ghostbusters afterlife no oh my god let rip my I can't wait god that film fucked me off <laughs> <laughs> it was to me the most cynical example of a nostalgia cash-in that I've ever seen in my life. It it was dreadful. There's one good thing about it, which is um, performance of the young girl. McKenna Grace, she's terrific. The film itself is just an endless procession of callbacks to the first two movies. I would honestly, I would sit through the Kristen Wiig, Melissa McCarthy Ghostbusters again. Because it came under so much misogynistic hate, mm-hmm. I possibly kind of battened down the hatches a little bit on liking it more sure. than I would have done. I kind of felt like I needed to show some solidarity with it. I would yeah. like to revisit it 
Uh, but definitely it, it made me laugh. There was actually a lot of stuff in it to like. What I liked most about it actually was that it, it was trying to do something different. Yes. You know, it was trying to, it wasn't trying to be the same movie again, you know. But yeah, there, there was stuff to like in that. I found nothing to like in Ghostbusters Afterlife apart from McKenna Grace's performance. That's a real shame. And so the sequel to that can fuck right off. Yeah, it can <laughs> absolutely fuck fucking off. As can Beetlejuice 2. Oh, that's the side we've come down on with this is it that's the side I've come down on cool what about you oh uh, yeah I, I I was withholding judgement but yeah I, it's just some nostalgia stuff isn't it? I have absolutely no faith in Tim Burton to do what could be done with that film in order to make the sequel successful when I heard they were doing another one uh, my heart just sank because it was just like ah okay that's how far back we're reaching now to plunder property and, and it also just feels like it's really taking advantage of its audience and saying mm. like you lot are nostalgic morons who will just eat any old shit we feed you. So have it, you know? I hate it. For me, I think it's when a movie like that sort of just stands on its own and is a complete story, then a sequel can be nothing other than a cynical cash grab. With retrofitting and... I would even con- include um, good sequels in, in that, like uh, like Aliens. Yeah. Like, it's it's a cynical cash grab, really. Oh, yeah. Well, have um, you heard the story about how James Cameron pitched? I have, actually, yeah. <laughs> it's great. So, allegedly, James Cameron just walked into the room, wrote the word alien on a blackboard, wrote an S at the end of it, and everyone went... <gasps> And then, just for an added bit of um, kind of punch to the argument, he mm. turned the S into a dollar sign. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if this is true. It might be entirely apocryphal, but I think yeah. it's a cracking story and it's a good a way of exemplifying the main kind of drive behind this sort of franchise machine which is what all of this is none of these are being made for any kind of artistic merit at all the, the sort of grand rule of sequels has always been the same as last time but bigger and more of it well the, that's what this chap was saying in this fantastic video essay um the marvelization of cinema is this thing about like well they need to give the audience what the audience enjoyed about the first thing because that's what they're going back for but they need to do more or bigger or uh, different um and what you just end up doing is you end up robbing it of any stakes yeah. completely well, any you've stakes you've got to keep ramping the stakes up so the stakes have always got to be higher than last time but how high do you get oh the universe is in trouble now yes oh, now the multiverse is in trouble this guy who in the first film you know, you saw, like, take a punch and it actually means something. Now people are punching each other through buildings and it doesn't make any fucking difference to anyone. And it's like, well, I don't want to watch that. Nothing means anything anymore in in, uh, in the MCU, certainly. Why should we give a fuck? Uh, we're in quite a good place to come on to Gladiator 2. Yes. What are that's... your feelings about that? <laughs> when I heard they were doing Gladiator 2, my heart sank. Mm-hmm. When I heard that it was going to be the story of... Lucius grown up into Paul Mescal. I was like, oh, okay. I kind of, I get that. At least there was a handy child planted in the first film that they could then use as a grown up. It's not like, oh, by the way, if you panned left slightly, there was a child that he had um, (laughs) that you never knew about. No, at least there was already a child ready and willing to become uh, Paul Mescal. I'm excited. I really like Paul Mescal. I didn't have any faith that Ridley Scott could make it anything other than a bloated ego trip 
But then I saw Napoleon and was like, oh, actually, Ridley Scott does still have a sense of humour. So now I don't know what to think, Ed. What I do think is that I probably will go and see it. Okay. What about you? Of all of the films on the list, it feels like one of the more cynical to me. Interesting. Okay. Just, just, just in concept. Like I was saying a minute ago, when a, when a story is sort of complete and whole, when a movie tells a complete whole story and stands alone, doing something else with those characters in that world, doing a sequel, is inherently a cynical cash grab thing. It may well be one of those cases where it was a... I don't know this at all, but this does happen in Hollywood, but it might have been a script that was sort of floating around for a while and wasn't getting anywhere, and then somebody went, oh, you know what, that'd work as a Gladiator sequel. You know what I mean? Mm. That's quite possible. It speaks volumes that we're getting a Gladiator sequel this year mm-hmm. rather than getting a gladiator sequel in i don't know 2004 yes do you know what i mean it's like gladiator in the year 2000 we were quite happy to just leave well alone and for it to have been a really good film but nowadays the only thing that seems to get made well you're about to prove that wrong actually when we go through your list of what you're excited about because of the rules that you've set yourself but i think that the majority of films that are mm. part of this um franchise nightmare I just it's just like do the bare minimum you can because people are going to go and see it maybe for me it's the presence of the number two maybe if they just called it gladiators (laughs) (laughs) gladiators exactly it could have been the story of jet and wolf and uh, hunter and saracen what was the ref called he was called john something gladiators are you ready (laughs) oh Oh my god i would absolutely pay a lot of money to go and see Gladiators, the, the movie. That's so funny. That but do you know what? Mm. Um, once they've gone through all of the fucking doll properties, they'll come round to get... They will get Generation Game, the yep. movie, with fucking, I don't know, Paul Mescal playing a young Bruce Forsyth. We'll get Blind Date. Blind <laughs> Date with Sheridan fucking Smith playing Scylla. Yeah. Oh, you know, you, know, you know who I'd cast as a young Bruce Forsyth, actually? Who, who? Jamie Bell. Yes, Jamie Bell would be a fantastic young what a Bruce Forsyth. He is. Bruce Forsyth always looked a little bit like maybe he'd been punched quite a lot as a young, as a young man. <laughs> yes, and I think Jamie yes. Bell could could recreate that quite well. How do we feel about the Passion of the Christ Resurrection Part oh, One? I mean, Resurrection Part One. Yeah. <laughs> just, just no, no. Actually, to be honest with you, no, no. Just no, no to really anything involving Mel Gibson. He's sort of, um, he's been allowed to kind of creep back. Yeah, and he's been allowed somehow to make another feast of anti-Semitism, which is what it will presumably be. I have no doubt that it will make a shit ton at the box office. No, I have actually nothing but contempt for that movie. Yeah, <laughs> ditto. Oh, we're getting a third Knives Out film, which is fine. I totally understand why. The first film very, very clearly was set up to be a kind of franchisable yeah. character and concept. The second film was so, 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 so much worse than the mm. first film. Yeah, I... Bad. I love the first film. I think the first film's absolutely gleeful. I love it. I tell you um, what, uh, the the last film that I'm going to talk about, oh no, it isn't the last film I'm going to talk about, but I am going to talk about it now, is The Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes, which we talked about very briefly a few weeks ago, because I watched the original Planet of the Apes and thought it was shit. I completely accidentally watched the full trilogy of the most recent the ones, Planet yeah. of the Apes films. Hey, excellent. And I remember why I hadn't seen the second two. It's because I did I thought the first one wasn't very good. Oh, interesting. But then I really like so Matt Reeves directed the second 
second one mm-hmm. and the third one, but not the first one. And I, th- I think that James Franco is fundamentally a bad actor. Mm-hmm. And I think that that film, there's a whole bit where Caesar the chimp is like in a chimp facility mm-hmm. and Tom Felton, um, Draco Malfoy off of Harry Potter, plays this, um, plays like one of the keepers of the chimps. Mm-hmm. And it just, to me, is an entirely implausible scenario. That whole bit is completely without logic. Um, <laughs> uh, uh, never mind the, uh, you know, uh, the whole kind of Alzheimer's medication that turns him super intelligent that means he's able to lead a war and then build a community in the woods all that is totally fine by me I don't mind any of that but um, man who works with chimps who is cruel to them that doesn't make any sense to me so (laughs) but um, I really enjoyed the second one and the third one I thought they were really good and actually I got to the end of War for the Planet of the Apes and I was like I feel a bit disappointed that I don't get to see What what happens next so from that point of view i'm actually quite looking forward to kingdom of the planet of the apes because i'm intrigued excellent and it'll be a new set of characters um rather than a sort of direct sequel i think yeah um a whole new do you think it's going to be like set significantly further in the future some further in the future (laughs) you've just convinced me that i might be interested in seeing it oh really which which i wasn't previously because i i do love those those three um recent ones including the first one that you you're not so keen on that that trilogy of films is a really excellent example of how to do a reboot of a franchise but put a modern spin on it make it relevant to where we are now have enough little callbacks to the original movies to make it pleasing to people who go for that reason but then not so smack you around the head with it that it's like Clang. That doesn't mean I have faith that they won't fuck it, but <laughs> no. I'm looking forward to see their attempt. Uh, anyway. There, there have, in the history of Planet of the Apes movies, there have been more bad ones than good ones, I think. It is true. Probably <laughs> fair to say. Um, although I know that there are some people who would come at me with pitchforks for saying that um dune 2 is not on your list oh yeah Yeah. um because i i care so little (laughs) that i could i did i couldn't even bring myself to put it on my list well i'm i'm keen for it i like the first one i like denis villeneuve and the the first one doesn't tell the whole story um it's yeah so you need it is necessary i mean something that we're going to come on to the future i'm sure this practice of Splitting a movie in two. Oh, Lord, yeah. Is driving me crazy. There's Kevin Costner has a pair of movies coming out this year. A pair of is that Horizon? Horizon, yeah, yeah. Just, just make a uh, movie, make a movie, make it, make it two hours. Yeah, tell your story. Like, have a bit of discipline and tell your story in that succinct amount of time um make a tv miniseries um, the last thing i just wanted to mention before we move on is mm. um we're also getting a reboot of the crow which now i've never seen the crow i think i sort of whenever i've watched it i have wanted it to be better than it is there's a whole lot of other baggage that goes with the crow yeah. mostly because of brandon lee's uh, death on on set so i think i think that's sort of part of its reputation also that image of the crow is very very striking that character design. yeah it's got bill skarsgård as mm. uh, eric draven slash the crow uh, ju- just before we move on um you said before we started recording that uh, when you're talking about the franchise offerings uh, you were leaving out the sort of kids films the sort of animated uh, franchise yeah. fair because you felt that it was a bit of a low blow to be taking shots at kung fu panda 4 i <laughs> would struggle to find a more cynical movie coming out next year than kung fu panda 4 <laughs> i can't think of anything more cynical than sort of factory churning out these animated movies that just to give parents something to give their kids to do yeah inside out 2 i'm kind of interested in um because they yeah. 
sort of set up a sequel in the, uh, the, the at the end of the first one. Although, as Jem quite rightly pointed out, Inside Out 2 features two, two or three new sort of emotions in the head of Riley that don't feature in the heads of her parents in the first one. Interesting. In the first one, they've just got those five emotions. And I'm sort of happy to overlook that plot hole as I'm happy to overlook most plot holes. But that is a little bit of uh, something that might need to be addressed. <laughs> yeah, it'll be interesting. How do you feel about um, that we're getting Paddington in Peru? Uh, well, I, lo- I love Paddington. I love Paddington too. I see no reason that I won't also enjoy Paddington in Peru. Sure. Uh, but again, it does fall under the umbrella it of the franchise nightmare. It absolutely does. As does Sonic the Hedgehog 3 and Despicable Me 4, <laughs> which um, I, I actually I would say Sonic the Hedgehog yeah. 3 to me feels like a slightly more cynical cash grab than Kung Fu Panda 4. However, I haven't sure. seen any of the um, earlier entries into either of those franchises, so I can't comment. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't even know we were up to number three yet. God, it feels like only know. yesterday that people were complaining about the teeth on Sonic the Hedgehog. <laughs> <laughs> Shall we talk about some stuff that we're really looking forward to? Yes, can we please? We're going to start off with the first release of 2024 on our list, which is Poor Things being advertised everywhere. This is the Emma Stone starring film by Yorgos Lanthimos. So this is the first film that he's made since The Favourite from Mm -hmm. a few years ago, which obviously um, Olivia Colman won her Oscar for, but also featured Emma Stone. And um, they've paired up again to make this kind of, it looks like a sort of Frank Frankenstein take. Yeah, but it's, it's adapted from a novel, isn't it? Oh, is it? Yeah, I believe so. It just looks so beautiful. The trailer is available, so I heartily recommend if you've not had a look at it, go and have a look at the trailer. A total feast for the eyes. It looks like it's going to be really funny, but super dark, as Emma Stone plays this character who kind of is reanimated by a sort of mad professor type, played by Willem Dafoe, and then sort of learns how to be a human, mm-hmm. which is, it just looks like a setup for some fantastic comedy and some really good darkness and some really good like yeah what does it mean to be a human type stuff I'm so excited for it from everything I've read about it it seems that being a human involves having a lot of sex (laughs) 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 from everything I've read about the film excellent (laughs) yeah she I believe finds that quite early on in her development and is just like why don't we just do this all the time well that sounds great and it took the golden lion which is the uh, the top prize at the Venice Film Festival so it's all already receiving fantastic plaudits it's been nominated for a load of golden globes i am sure it will get nominated for a load of oscars and baftas and all the other awards that there are um so yeah i'm really looking forward to seeing that in january yeah what are you looking forward to seeing in january so the first film on my my list chronologically uh, we've got american fiction yeah which is coming out february the 2nd this is the new film by cord jefferson uh, and it stars jeffrey wright it's already uh, picked up golden Ooh. globe nominations uh, certainly for jeffrey wright in the best actor in a comedy i think category but this this looks really really great the the trailer made me hoot with laughter so it's essentially about a black novelist who is really struggling to get anything published uh, because he's trying to not write sort of cliched quote-unquote black books to <laughs> right. sort of appeal to the sort of white middle-class intelligentsia who sort of want a lot of street slang and and that kind of thing and chat about poor people in terrible circumstances yeah 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 um and then one day uh, he sort of for a joke 
writes a book that is just all of those things pushed to the extreme and his agent's just like nobody's going to want to publish this but surprise surprise the white liberal intelligentsia in charge of the publishing house they're like we love it and it sort of snowballs from there a movie's going to get made it looks so funny but like in that really sort of satirical biting kind of way that i really really enjoy fantastic Uh, yeah that sounds great american fiction Coming your way in February. So I've got one for February. This is, it's called The Zone of Interest, mm. directed by Jonathan Glazer, who directed Under the Skin, the fantastic adaptation of the Michael Faber novel with Scarlett Johansson being an alien driving around in a van, um, which I loved. Mm. So my ears pricked up when I heard it was the new film from him. And then I had a little look at what it's about. And my God, this film looks fantastic um we've already wanged on about how much we loved her performance in anatomy of a fall earlier this year um so this film stars sandra hula uh, i mean the film has already taken the grand prix at Cannes. it's been nominated for a load of stuff it's kind of on the radar it's gonna do really well in awards season i think and um, it's basically about the nazi concentration camp guard who lives in the beautiful house with his beautiful family um and his society and all of that stuff on the other side of the fence at Auschwitz. It's based on a novel by Martin Amis. But what Martin Amis did was fictionalise the events. What Jonathan Glazer has done is collaborated really closely with the archives of Auschwitz and has kind of replaced the speculated and sort of fictionalised version of what happens in Martin Amis's book with the actual real people. So this is based on Rudolf Hoss and Hedvig Hoss, who were um, concentration camp guards and employees um, and their family. And it's about that. And it just, I mean, I looked at the trailer. It sounds, to describe it, it sounds so heavy. But looking at the trailer for it, it just looks like a gripping kind of like sparkling gem of a really like thorny, difficult, confronting, important film. And I'm so excited to see it. It looks great. So that's me. Um, What's next in the year? Um, Well, I have yet another uh, February entry. February is going to be a real good month. It's uh, actually a British film, The Origin, which actually has been knocking around for a little while. I think it's been on the festival circuit since 2022. When it was first sort of uh, making the rounds, it was called Out of Darkness. And this is essentially, it's a Stone Age survival horror. Um, And I think it got overshadowed when it was first out on the festival circuit because there were a few other sort of prehistoric survival kind of movies coming out. But this looks a little more interesting to me. It's from the same sort of uh, producers as It Follows and St. Maud. Amazing. That couldn't sound more up my street if it tried. Yeah. Um, so we're talking people with a background within of quite intelligent horror cinema and it's about a, a gang of very early humans set 40,000 uh, 43,000 years BCE attempting to survive against some malevolent mystical demonic force yeah it looks really really cool oh my god I can't wait to have a look at this trailer this sounds so good yeah I'm very excited for that so February is going to be a real good month yeah so <laughs> one more time that is uh, The Origin formerly Out of Darkness which is coming your way uh, February the 9th. What's next? It's me next. My next one is uh, one from March the 22nd. It's coming. Uh, It's called Lisa Frankenstein. And it, to me, has a sort of cult teen classic sci-fi horror black comedy written all over it. Sort of in the mould of um, Heathers and Weird Science, that type of thing. It looks fab. It's about a, a teenage girl. She's lonely and she creates a boyfriend for herself. Um, out of body parts and reanimates it and 
they sort of have a relationship and he it looks from the trailer like maybe he does some murder for her and yeah <laughs> it looks like so much fun and sort of very bright Amazing. and neon did you have a look at the trailer I know you were I did yeah it looks great it looks real fun <laughs> so really looking forward to that that's Lisa Frankenstein coming on March the 22nd lovely I shall look forward to that very much uh, then it's me again. Now, this is the one that I've slightly broken one of my rules for, because one of my rules was that there had to be a trailer for it. And there is a trailer for this, but it's just a teaser trailer. It's just 45 seconds of Robert Pattinson in a thing um, and a camera <laughs> sort of zooming in on his face. It's the new Bong Joon-ho movie, uh, Mickey mm. 17. And yeah. I'm super excited about it. I don't know what it's going to be about, but it's going to be bonkers uh bonkers sort of sci-fi and bong Juno has more than enough goodwill with me to sell a film just with his name right now this me is me too this is his first film since parasite which was terrific and he of course won the oscar for that but oh, i i have loved several of his previous movies i really like snowpiercer and um yeah mother is wonderful have you seen mother no i haven't it's um a korean murder mystery basically a, a girl has been murdered and the young lad is getting sort of fingered for having done the murder. And it's about his mother investigating and trying to prove his innocence. Excellent. And it is terrific. Okay. He'd really yeah, yeah. Like it. So, yeah, this is Mickey 17, stars Robert Pattinson, and it's out on March the 29th. Is it you again? No, it's you next. Is it me? Mm. Right, okay, here we go. This, uh, we can have a little chat about um, my first... Well, it's a sequel. Mm. But it's a sequel that I am willing to give the benefit of the doubt Mm -hmm. to. And it's Furiosa and Mad Max Saga. The reason I'm excited for this is it's the original team who brought us Mad Max Fury Road. I love Mad Max Fury Road. I think it's absolutely fantastic. As soon, when I, I saw the trailer for Furiosa and immediately wanted to go and watch Mad Max Fury Road. So that made me really, really happy. Um, so this follows um, Anya Taylor-Joy playing a young Furiosa who was played by Charlize Theron in Fury Road. Mm-hmm. Um, and it stars Chris Hemsworth playing a young Immortan Joe who is the the kind of the main villain, I suppose, yeah. of Mad Max Fury Road. So it's them just after whatever the event was that led to this post-apocalyptic landscape. The thing is, it could be absolute wank. (laughs) It could very, very easily fall into that franchise nightmare category, Mm -hmm. shameless cash-in, all of that stuff. It could be hollow and shit, and it could totally miss the point of what people loved about Fury Road. Mm -hmm. But the thing that's convinced me that it'll be all right is because Fury Road was so good Mm. when it was George Miller at the helm who made the original Mad Max. Mm -hmm. So I think George Miller has got a good nose for what it is to give to the audience, Mm. like to cherry pick the good stuff from the previous film. But maybe he'll lose that trust with this film and it'll be absolute shite. (laughs) So, uh, but um, what I can only imagine is that it will be, I mean, Mad Max Fury Road up on the big screen was such a visual feast and it was such a like adrenaline fueled experience. Um, And it's a kind of truly cinematic movie. So uh, hopefully Furiosa will be like that. Um, But the trailer's floating around. Take a look. Decide for yourself whether or not it's something that's going to be your cup of tea. And I know there are people who really don't like Mad Max Fury road so oh i mean there is no way in hell am i gonna be able to drag Gem to see furiosa there is that is so interesting absolutely no way is she gonna sit through another mad max film she 
to this day, there are two films that she hates almost more than she hates anything else in the world. Um, and they are Mad Max Fury Road and uh, Tenet. Um, I, I just think, <laughs> what a combo. Um, what is it she hates so much about Mad Max Fury Road? Uh, she was she was bored the entire time. Minimal, if any, story. Um, and it was just a lot of screaming nonsense. I, on the other hand, did enjoy Fury Road. I'm, I'm reserving judgment on Furiosa. I, I'm not excited for it, particularly. Because apart from that else, I know it's a prequel. I know it's about young Furiosa, but I miss Shelley's Theron. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, and I'm I'm a little unsold on Anya Taylor-Joy. I like her in some I am things. as well, I you know. I dislike her in other things. So, yeah, and I, I don't know that she's really who I would cast. I, I think part of my issue with Anya Taylor-Joy is I love The Witch so much. Mm-hmm. And The Witch feels so much like it spoke so closely to my heart that to see Anya Taylor Joy being popular with other people feels a little bit like she's be- like it's she's being stolen from me. Mm-hmm. It's a little bit like stop looking at her. She's like she was ri- she was st- a standout in that thing that I love. Like you're not allowed to love it too. And she feels a little bit sort of flavor of the month. And I'm just a bit like oh god, or Hollywood just going to get sick of her and stop casting her. Oh, absolutely. Stuff. She's she's everywhere at the moment, and I don't blame her at all for taking all those jobs. It's god no, boom. god no. So um yeah, the next one is um a June release coming out on the seventh of June. Now this is another one um that could very easily fall under the franchise nightmare. Um we're getting Ballerina, which mm. is a John Wick spinoff. The reason I'm excited about this is because I really genuinely rate all four John Wick films. For me, the John Wick franchise stands out in amongst all of the other franchise stuff at the moment for being showing you how to do it well and it still has all of the stuff that other franchises have Mm. the tone of the films makes all of that really fun yeah it makes it all really fun to watch and each film expands the world a little bit further but watching that world expand is really pleasing it's like seeing how a whole industry functions Mm -hmm. and it knows how daft it is and it, it just it's great so I'm really keen so this um the film takes place in between John Wick 3 and John Wick 4 and it focuses on Anna de Armas as a trained assassin but who is um, under Angelica Houston's watch at the ballet school. So we're expanding out into little pockets of the John Wick franchise that we've only glimpsed at before which is really pleasing. We're getting a new addition to the cast in the form of Gabriel Byrne, Anna de Armas in the lead role and I really like Anna de Armas. I really rate her and so if it manages to stay the course and stay sort of true to the spirit of the John Wick franchise, mm. I think this could be equally really good fun. I'm really happy that you're excited for it. <laughs> Are you... Do you not I, like John Wick? I, no, I, I, I do like John Wick. Mm. I'm not as crazy about them as I think you are I think there's a slight sort of law of diminishing returns and I think that they the films actually do keep getting longer and longer and longer and more bloated mm-hmm. as I think the franchise is also expanding and getting more and more bloated there's also um, I believe a TV series coming it's it's, it's already on it's already on is it about the yeah about the hotel franchise that's a uh, prequel um, so it follows the um, Ian McShane character as a young man now I don't know whether or not that is any good because haven't seen it it sort of just got dumped on amazon without much ceremony um so i don't know if maybe they're a bit ashamed of it and they didn't want to draw too much attention i mean sorry to bang on about it but the involvement of mel gibson might be a factor in that oh of course mel gibson's in it isn't he i'd forgotten about that i'd love to like it but i can't get excited for it let's move on to the last two that we've Mm. got before we do honorable mentions so um what's your last 
movie so um, um yeah my last movie is the bike riders which was supposed to come out a month or so ago but that has got pushed back because of the strikes it's now coming out on june the 21st it stars jodie coma who i think is wonderful yeah i would cast jodie coma in every part pretty much that annie taylor joy has ever played yes um, actually and be a little bit happier <laughs> <laughs> yeah 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 I, I just think she's terrific there are three british actresses mm-hmm. who i would watch them in anything and um, that's olivia coleman mm-hmm. jesse buckley and jodie comer i'd watch them do anything i'll go with that love them you you weren't you weren't happy to go and watch olivia coleman do wonka that's true Ooh. i'm not happy to watch olivia coleman you, do wonka because now you said that no i'm not i'm absolutely <laughs> fucking not i'd rather i'd rather uh, be a hypocrite <laughs> Then see fucking Wonka. <laughs> and it's all the fucking like googly eyed bullshit, twinkly, like, oh, I'm a shop owner. Oh, it's a sh- fuck off. Um, right, anyway, carry on. Uh, sorry. The bike riders. So, <laughs> uh, as I say, it stars Jodie Comer and Tom Hardy and Austin mm. Butler. It's mm-hmm. set in the 60s and it's about a motorcycle club that sort of mm. descends into criminality throughout that decade. I'm dead king. Sounds great. Who's directing it? So it is directed by Jeff Nichols. So Jeff Nichols was the guy who did the Matthew McConaughey movie Mud. Oh! Which I thought was terrific. That sounds awesome. I'm, I'm keen for that. Yeah, yeah. Um, have, have a little look at a look at a trailer later. It's uh... Uh, remind me when when when's that out? So that is the bike riders, and it's coming out on June the twenty first. We were saying um, just before we kind of started the record that we probably ought to do another one of these around June time yeah. um, when we know a little bit more about what's coming out in the second part of the year because um, the film that I've got as my final film um, is, well, <laughs> it's allegedly going to come out on Christmas Day. Did you say Christmas Day? Uh, yeah, Christmas Day in the States, uh, but I believe actually the 1st of January 2025 in the UK. Yeah, so I've sort of accidentally broken the rules here. So my, the last one on my list, um, unsurprisingly, given how much I've just wanged on about how much I love The Witch, is uh, Robert Eggers' adaptation of Nosferatu. Yeah. Stonking cast. Uh, Bill Skarsgård playing Count Orlock, mm-hmm. Nicole Kidman, Lily Rose Depp, Nicholas Holt, Willem Dafoe, Emma Corrin, Aaron Taylor-Johnson and Nicole Kidman who I've written down twice for some reason. She deserves all the credit. And it looks like it might be a 21st century remake. And it is a remake of the film Nosferatu, which was an unofficial adaptation of Dracula, which famously there was a massive lawsuit uh, from Bram Stoker's widow um, about the making of Nosferatu. But it is a titan of silent cinema. Gave us so much of the kind of iconic vampire imagery that we see all the way through the rest of cinema. And I'm really keen to see what Robert Eggers is going to bring to this. I've got a little quote from him which I find really charming. It feels ugly and blasphemous and egotistical Mm. and disgusting for a filmmaker in my position to do Nosferatu next. I was really planning on waiting a while but that's how fate shook out. (laughs) (laughs) That's really funny. (laughs) Isn't that great? Yeah, when I heard that there was a remake of Nosferatu happening, like you could hear the sound of my eyes rolling. You could hear the sound of my eyes rolling all the way in Transylvania. I was so deeply unimpressed. Nosferatu, as you say, a titan of silent cinema. I would argue probably the most famous silent movie ever made. I'd go with that. Possibly next to some of the silent comedies from Chaplin or Buster Keaton or um, mm-hmm. like Fritz Lang's Metropolis is pretty famous but Nosferatu is much more iconic image than I would say any oh, of those yeah. and I just thought wow who and why and then I saw that it was Robert Eggers and I thought well okay there's going to be something about this there's going to be something interesting yeah. here to look at and actually I am keen for it I, I can't imagine that Robert Eggers 
would go into doing a remake without having an angle. No. Um, and without mining something out of it that's a bit new and a bit different. It might be, ho-ho, the nail in the coffin of his career, because <laughs> it might be a fucking disaster. Or it might be a really interesting little experiment. And I'm really keen. I th- I'm really keen. I think it's safe to say that it is going to be barking mad. Yeah. <laughs> And I appreciate that he, in that quote I just read, has acknowledged the audacity (laughs) um, of it. Yes. All right, should we have a look at some honourable mentions before we go? Do you have The Beekeeper? I do not have The Beekeeper, but that's going to be a fun popcorn movie. We both enjoyed the trailer very much to The Beekeeper, didn't we? This is a a Jason Statham um, film, which just looks... Like the perfect Jason Statham film. Great. Looking forward to that very much. Very much in the same sort of vibe as Argyle, the new Matthew Vaughan mm. film. I don't know. Have you have you got that on your list? Uh, it's not on my list either. Mostly because I have liked some of Matthew Vaughan's stuff in the past. But Kingsman Golden Circle sort of made me go, oh, no, I don't like you at all, actually. I, I saw the trailer and thought, ah, that... Yeah, that looks like a Matthew Vaughan film. <laughs> I saw a still from it and was like, oh, God. Mm. And then I watched the trailer and was like, oh, OK, actually, no. OK. Yeah. So, yeah, I think that could be interesting. Yeah, the sort of popcorn-y movie that's on my honourable mentions list is The Fall Guy. Yeah, which looks like so that's much on my fun. I think it's going to be a huge hit. God, yeah. It's going to absolutely clean up. Yeah. It's coming out in the summer, right? Uh, May the 2nd, I've got here. Yeah, that's yeah. Ryan Gosling as a stuntman. Um, and Emily Blunt as the star of the movie that he's working on. And it looks like a sort of riotous action comedy. Bit, a bit of a sort of screwball romance in there as well. Looks great fun. Brilliant. Also on my honourable mentions list, we've got Challengers, which is oh, yeah. uh, the new one from Luca Guadagnino, starring, what's her face? Um, Zendaya. Zendaya. Yeah, Zendaya, yeah. Zendaya. I've always, said, I've always said Zendaya. Zendaya. Yeah, sort of a, a tennis set, uh, love triangle kind of thing. Mm-hmm. It, it's probably quite good. Also on my list that I'm really looking forward to is Drive Away Dolls, which is the new one from Ethan Cohen. Yeah. Um, since the Cohen brothers branched out on their own and they're making their own things, mm. Drive Away Dolls looks like great fun. Yeah, yeah. Um, road movie with a couple of ladies in the lead. It's very funny. Yeah, um, uh, how, how's your honourable mentions list? How much have you got on there? I've got one more. Okay, it. It's called Wicked Little Letters. February 23rd. Um, it's a kind of black comedy. Olivia Colman and and Jesse Buckley. Oh, yeah, I saw a trailer um, for it actually the other week. It looks great, it, doesn't it? It looks so great. <laughs> sort of mid-century or early 20th century UK. You know, Olivia Coleman plays this sort of straight-laced housewife who gets starts get, receiving smutty letters anonymously in the post. Yeah. And then it's this whole thing about like, in the community who's sending the letters yeah Olivia Coleman and Jessie Buckley as kind of rival housewives and then also Anjana Vassan and she's fucking great mm. I love her and she plays a kind of lady police officer um, who's set to investigate this kind of weird crime that's going yeah. on in this community and it just looks like really good kind of dark comedy fun yeah. so I'm keen for that cool yeah there's just a couple more things that I want to mention so that we've got uh, the debut feature from M. Night Shyamalan's daughter is coming out this year that's called The Watchers oh, yes. I don't know much about it from yeah Ishna Shyamalan we've also got the new Alex Garland film coming out this year uh, where he'll do some heavy handed social commentary uh, it's about a uh, civil war in America and 
I'm quite looking forward to that. Sure. There's a new Jordan Peele movie coming out towards the end of the year that is as yet untitled. I'm sure it'll be worth a look. There's one here that I'm really intrigued by. I was intrigued by the trailer for. It's not got a release date in the UK yet. It's coming out in the States in the next couple of months. It's called ISS. It's set on board the International Space Station. You've got the Russians, you've got the Americans, um, and they all sort of get along perfectly well on uh, on the International Space Station. But then war breaks out on planet earth and Mm -hmm. both sides on the space station are given orders to take the space station and it looks like conceptually i fucking love that bunch of people trapped in that sort of claustrophobic environment having to kill each other (laughs) that sounds so good i hope that the uh yeah that the execution lives up to the premise because it should be great. There's also a couple of uh, streaming releases that I wanted to point up as well. Uh, one of them is Daniel Kaluuya's directorial debut. That's The Kitchen set in a dystopian future London. Looks cracking. Um, and there's also the Charlie Kaufman animated feature Orion and the Dark, which is it's a DreamWorks production and every now and then uh, DreamWorks comes up with absolute gold. Generally I'm a Pixar boy but every now and then DreamWorks can do fabulous things. Thinking obviously How to Train Your Dragon and well the first two Shrek movies. Orion and the Dark is about a small boy who is scared of everything and then one day he is visited by a manifestation of the dark it is the dark's intention for his own sort of self-serving purposes of his own sort of ego is to make this little boy Orion not afraid of things anymore and the trailer looks so lovely and it made me laugh and I'm looking forward to it and that'll be on Netflix in fact both of those will be on Netflix at some point in the new year lovely Keen keen for both of those yeah gosh there's so much to look forward to about next yes. year and we don't even know the half of what we can expect. There are two movies coming out about imaginary friends. Yes, I saw that and one of them I will not be watching because of uh, my aforementioned Ryan Reynolds issues. <laughs> yeah, one, one of them is a, a sort of Bloomhouse horror movie and um, yeah, the other one looks like a very sort of, I don't know, it, it could be great. I, it's uh, directed by John Krasinski who I do like but it does star Ryan Reynolds and it, it looks like it could be nauseating yes it does what a treat what a load of really great stuff but yeah i think it'd be good fun to revisit this uh, in sort of june time and see because we'll know a lot more about what's coming out in the sort of second part of the year but also what the big summer blockbusters are chalked up to be Absolutely. so that'll be interesting given that it's boxing day ed mm-hmm. um what have you been watching over christmas <laughs> i mean if you maybe had been uh, if it had been a week ago mm. um, and you were looking forward to the festive period what do you think you might have thought you might be going to watch oh I don't know I'm mostly just looking forward to the Christmas Doctor Who if I'm honest (laughs) (laughs) Um, well you would have been looking forward to it um, last week Mm. um, but obviously it being Boxing Day you've already seen it but you don't want to spoil it for people Ed it was fantastic (laughs) it was great I enjoyed it so much (laughs) (laughs) Um, what have you been watching it's very it's quite traditional Mm. on the chilled out evenings over the festive period um, when I'm hanging out with Richard's family um, for us to watch something like the Jeremy Brett Sherlock Holmes TV series, Goodness. which is a delight. And I'm also in the run up to Christmas going to be having a look at a lot of the BBC ghost stories for Christmas, um, which I've got the box set of. Yeah, we, uh, we're having a little break um, after recording this episode mm-hmm. and then we'll be back with the main podcast on the 9th of January for our discussion on The Bad and the Beautiful. Have you seen it yet? I haven't yet. I'm really looking forward to that. That will be one of my Christmas watches alongside The Muppet's 
Christmas Carol and Home Alone, probably. Obviously. <laughs> like, Do you know, um, mm. talking about um, when we were talking last week about how it's important for historical accuracy because it goes into the zeitgeist and then people think that's actually true. Um, I had a proper revelation recently that there's only one Marley. Ah, yes. Um, in A Christmas Carol, because I always think of we're Marley and Marley. <laughs> Avarice and greed. So yeah, uh, there you go. That's an excellent example. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. Really looking forward to watching all of those things again for the umpteenth time. Because um, that's what Christmas is all about. It's about watching the same films that yeah. you know from the past. Comfort. Um, so I hope that, dear listener, you have had, are having, continue to have um, a wonderful festive time, whatever it is that you're doing. And I hope that you've enjoyed listening to our little, I say little, how long have we been talking, oh, it's Ed? it's been two hours. About, been two hours. I hope you've enjoyed this um, extremely long discussion. <laughs> About some of the films that you can look forward to in the new year and some of the films that you can roll your eyes at and have a great time being snarky about, um, as me and Ed do. So I think, um, unless you've got anything else that you'd like to add? No, not beyond Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Happy New Year. We'll see you in the new year with our chat on the bad and the beautiful. Um, If you've enjoyed this little bonus episode, please do um, leave us a review, spread the word, do all of that stuff. Um, I can't emphasise enough how grateful we are for anything that you can do to help us spread the word for this podcast we love it and um i'm feeling very twinkly and christmasy now and festive ed thank you thank you bye-bye thank you goodbye oh, 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 oh. Oh. <laughs>